Welcome back, I'm Kim Bailey. She's Juliana Osborne and this is Inside Exec. Today we're talking with Nick Johnson, who's joined us from Singapore. Now Nick has got some very interesting topics and ideas to talk to us about along the lines of those that we talked to about Nick Gorman a couple of years ago. Let us first of all, let Nick give us a bit of an introduction to himself. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for the warm welcome. Uh, Indeed, it's a beautiful morning here in Singapore. Great to be with you. So I was born in Sweden, but I actually moved to Australia when I was 22. I lived there five, six years. I studied and played a bit of golf. And then I have had a wonderful career in Southeast Asia, where I lived and worked for 15 years. I worked my way up the ranks, but I also realized that the higher up I go, perhaps I became a little bit lonely. In the end, I had a, had a bit of a crash and I went through a divorce. I moved country, resigned from my job, and I had a breakdown basically during this time. And that's why I'm here today also to share with you my learnings and how I came out of this. Thanks for that, Nick. I'm interested just in that very brief summary. To our mind, it's a bit of a loner's journey so that you, you, know, you left essentially everything that you knew behind at a very early age and came halfway across the world. Is there an element of you wanting to make your mark and be and find out who you are that comes into this journey, then discovering that you've gone so far down that path that you haven't looked at the whole you in terms of of what sort of support you might need as as an individual, as a person, not as a, a career thing? Yes, Kim, I, I think it lies a lot in what you're saying that and, and, and I've seen it in quite a lot of people, perhaps going back a few years, being a bit of a rebellious teenager, you know, I, I, I didn't get along well with my father when I had my first girlfriend, he didn't really like her, I then started to resent my dad about that and we had some conflict and as soon as I had money enough, I moved outside to my own apartment in the city at the age of 17. So I I had that rebellion in me that I wanted more. I wanted a way and uh, it was my way or no way. So that stubbornness indeed uh, was there in the early trades and moving to Australia, of course, was as far away as I could get (laughs) from Sweden. Is it with you still, the stubbornness? I have uh, calmed down a lot, Kim, uh, since I had a, had a, should I say, a, a breakdown and a mental health crisis in 2015 to 18, to the point where I have not left jo- a job. I'm married to the same wife. I have not moved apartment even. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm trying to have everything as stable as possible now. Nick, did you find that, although you, you talk about the stubbornness and all of that, did you find that it actually also helped you? finding your own identity and taking on the challenge of travel and living in other countries? I think it was a selfishness uh, that, uh, and indeed the society is quite set up that we can get ahead if we are selfish. People are stepping on each other and, uh, and elbowing their way up to the top, as I said. And we are perhaps set up, if we look at a school, you know, we get awarded for the highest grades. We put there on a pedestal. We get all the certificates. We get all the recognitions. And, of course, that recognition is, is addictive and it fuels even more selfishness. It's me. And uh, that was the, basically what I fell into. But I found that there's a different way now. After my crisis, I learned that that's not the way that I want to live, it doesn't lead to uh, happiness internally, and it's not sustainable. You've done a lot of work more recently with, with people who are going through that same sort of journey. Do you find that they all have to come to a crisis point? Are there opportunities to recognise the warning signs, I guess? 
Well, it depends. Some people are open to coaching and, and so on. And I think it comes with age and experience as well. I think it's very difficult with someone who's younger, who's not willing to look at their own side of the street, who's not willing to admit their own faults and not even want to hear about it. And I I saw myself perhaps being like that also in my young years in my career. Yeah, I think it comes with age. You don't have to go through all the, the, the challenges that I did uh, for a few years that nearly cost my life. But sadly, actually, I do see in many, many high-performing senior executives, it is only when they hit rock bottom or have a crisis in their life. And it can doesn't have to be a mental health crisis. It can be an illness, a sickness, an external event, a family member that passed away. or Something normally needs to happen externally for people to perhaps deflate the ego and, and become a little bit more humble and receptive to this. So there's always a trigger of some kind that brings on the, the moment of truth, shall we say? Yes, it seems like that. You've said that the triggers can often be a range of things. Are you seeing in the people that you, you're with that it's more external than it is an, an internal thing? In the people that I'm working with, a lot are senior executives. What I see there is people are working extended hours and working around the clock and not don't get enough time for sleeping enough, exercise, perhaps not eating enough, don't get enough time for the family, don't get enough time for themselves. So you're constantly starting to have that guilty feeling with yourself that you're never enough for anything. No matter what you do, there will always be disappointment. You will always disappoint yourself or your family members, or your boss. And then perhaps uh, also here in Singapore, many are regional or global directors. They're flying around the world, and uh, one day in India, the next day in Australia, then Vietnam, you know. So they're also falling short here uh, the whole time traveling. And perhaps a lot of entertainment going out, a lot of alcohol is involved, and so on. And there's just not enough time uh, for everything in the day. So a lot of guilt builds up. And with that, easily fall into some addictions, such as alcohol addiction, which has been big during the pandemic, when people have also worked from home and isolated themselves. So everyone is looking for some way, perhaps, of, of coping with all of this. And it just becomes a downward spiral. So I would say it's multiple factors. It can be uh, stress at work or uh, perhaps a resignation from work or getting terminated from work because there's a merger acquisition, something happens. So let's say that that happens, you have a crisis at work, then because you have neglected your family, then maybe you end up in a divorce as well. And with that, perhaps uh, your health also is having a turn. And I always say it's it's almost like an airplane. It's never one reason why an airplane crashed. It tends to be three perhaps factors. And it's the same with uh, with a human being. In the greater scheme of things, do you see that it is an issue more for men than for women? I see it in both. And when I wrote my book on the topic, I interviewed both men and women, and I see it in both. And perhaps the women that I interviewed who suffered were keeping it even more secret, more silent because the stigma. But what I did find, though, that in general, it seemed like women have a few close friends who they dare to be vulnerable with, who they speak with and who they share how they are feeling. While men, including myself, have some wonderful friends who I fought those close friends who I would see Sometimes, perhaps almost every day, we would go and watch uh, TV together, watch sport, go to the bar, have a great time. But we never had perhaps a really deep talk. While, yeah, on the other hand, I said, it seemed like the most women had that. 
but I have found extreme uh, suffering from loneliness in women as well, where people didn't talk to anyone. Do you find that it's um, culturally more prevalent? You know, you've worked with all sorts of nations. Yes. In Singapore, where I'm based, I can certainly see that uh, Westerners are more open than uh, the Asian cultures, where it's very much uh, stigma even to talk about uh, anything such as loneliness or addiction. It's something that you, you're very much trying to do everything you can to avoid talking about. So you've taken on a huge task by starting up this opportunity to help these people where you are based. How did you get a foot in? How did you make it happen? Well, uh, I had my own crisis then in 2015 to 2018. And I managed to pull my way out of this by getting the right support and uh, being blessed with a few people surrounding me who, who, who put me on the right path. So in, then in 2019, I had spent one year into recovery and my life was great again. I was remarried and, and I, I was really in a good, happy place. But I had not shared with anyone. I had still kept it pretty secret on the outside that I'd gone through a crisis and everyone on the outside thought that things were good. No one really understood. Perhaps my parents, but not none of my friends really. They didn't know what was going on on the inside. But in 2019, then a friend and colleague of mine in Singapore, someone who I've been working with, uh, died of suicide. And uh, that triggered me to speak up about my mm. own challenges that I had had. And I decided immediately to set up a fund uh, to raise money for the course and donations and awareness for a suicide prevention agency here in Singapore. So that was the whole start of this. On that topic, do you see that suicide is more prevalent in that group, that they see that's the only answer? Yes, it is. And uh, mm. it was extremely challenging to talk about that in Singapore because mm. suicide was it was even illegal uh, just to talk about it and report about it. It was, a scene, it was a crime until the end of 2019. Now it's decriminalized. Now, therefore, there can be support uh, and even we can have conversations legally about this. We're going to take a break now in our discussion with Nick Johnson. Join us for part two, where we explore a little bit further the steps that Nick took to overcome his own mental health crisis. For now, I'm Kim Bailey. She's Fuliana Osborne and this is Inside Executive. 